Lord. I'm telling you, as cold as it was this morning, I am so proud of each of you for being here. Look at this room. Give God some praise. Amen. I had a heart for this sermon, a heart to preach this sermon, and all I could think of was last night when it was raining and cold, I'm like, devil, you're not going to steal that day from us, amen? And look at you all, man, you just gave the devil a black eye and showed up at the house of the Lord anyhow. Shout somebody, amen? Yeah, yeah, I want you to turn your Bibles this morning over to Psalm 45, over to Psalm 45, and I want to get right into this series. This is our third week in our Theology of More series, and um, I feel like the Lord has put a mandate on our house to learn what it looks like to walk into more, amen? How many of you know more is better than less? I got to say that again, more is better than less. Yeah, man, a lot of you failed in math if you don't know that. Right? And so now the more, man, we want to experience this year more of God. We want to experience more for God, doing more for him. And truly, I want to experience more from him. And that's not selfish. God, I want everything that you can bring in my life. I don't want to do one thing that holds your best back from what you want to do in me or through this church. Amen? And you ought to have that same prayer. God, I don't want to do one thing that's going to hold your best back for me walking in all that you have for me. And um, and when I think of that idea of walking in all that God has for me, I called in (coughs) to spend some time with a retired Assemblies of God pastor who was on his deathbed. And um, somehow he had fallen through the cracks in the Assemblies of God. If you move to a district, a new area like Georgia, he was from Michigan, and you don't transfer your credentials to that new district, your credentials stay in the previous district. And he had served Michigan all his life, and so when it came down to it, he moved just to Canton, just right up here. And I get a call from a hospice guy, Tom, who actually is a part of this church. He works for hospice. He's a, a chaplain to the Assemblies of God, and he works for hospice. And he goes, Pastor, this is a, an AG hero of the faith. This is a guy who has served the Assemblies of God and served the Lord and served ministry for all these years, and he's 91 years old, and he's on his deathbed. And man, I just didn't know if you'd want to go visit him or not. <laughs> yeah. Get to go visit a rock star like that? You better believe I want to go visit this man. And so I get to go over to Pastor Jack Carrier's house. And as I go in, I can hear music playing, you know. Good, good old southern gospel music. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's playing. And, 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 I, and I meet his wife, Sister Mary. And, you know, that's that era where we call them Sister Mary. And it doesn't mean they're Catholic. It just means that they're Pentecostal, you know. And um, so Sister Mary, she meets me. And. She takes me back to see Mr. Jack, and as they go back to see Pastor, um, they're getting ready to tend to him. And so they asked me just to wait. So we went into the living room, and I sat there with Mary for probably a good 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and just loved on her and talked with her and, and heard about their life and their ministry. And they had served all the way up into the 1990s and just so faithful. Um, to give you an idea of who this guy was, just his faithfulness, his best friend was the superintendent of the Assemblies of God, one of the longest-serving Assemblies of God superintendents we had. Tom Trask served for like 14 years. He was actually the guy that ordained me back in the day. And, and so Tom came in and did the funeral last week. But, but on this day, I'm just learning about this guy and, um, and, and really hadn't got to meet him yet. And, you know, as I stepped in, they, we kind of stepped right back out. But, but long story short, this man, Pastor Jack, in that moment on his deathbed, I got to hear the only sermon that I'd ever had the chance to hear Pastor Jack Carrier preach. Literally the only sermon I ever heard him preach. And, and it sounded a lot like this to me. Psalm 45, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you. 
He's anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Let me say that one more time, beyond your companions. Sometimes favor isn't fair. Now, grace is out there for everybody, but sometimes favor is not fair. Come on. Amen. There's a way we live that fosters the anointing. There's a way we live that fosters the move of God. And this man had lived in such a way that above and beyond his companions, he was walking in favor. And and then in verse 8, it says, your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from ivory places, palaces, string instruments make you glad. And, and, and I just thought when I, when I went in there, I could hear the music playing. And I could just picture this man walking in the anointing of God all those years of faithfulness. And now here he is lying on his bed. And when it was finally time for me to go in and spend some time with him, I just went in and I, I grabbed his hand. And um, I don't know about y'all, I, I love elderly people. I just always have. And I just grabbed his hand. And all I could think about was the integrity that this man must have had to have served the Lord that many years. To have his three children still passionately in love with him. Still seeing that daddy served the Lord. And still seeing that they could honor dad. And to hear at the funeral them say things like, we never heard him say a cross word about anybody. I know my kids can't say that. I get frustrated sometimes at people with the way they drive. And I may say words that are not becoming a Christian. No. But then I thought how this guy loves music. And so I'm over his bed and I'm holding his hand and he loves music and they'd already turned the music off. And, and I just thought it was time for a good worship time, you know, and I, I'm holding his hand and I start singing, peace, peace, wonderful peace flowing down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray in fathomless billows of love. And I'm holding his hand, and we go, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you, though. (laughs) I'm holding his hand, (laughs) and I go into that again, because I don't know words very well, you know? So I just sing the same thing. And I go into it again, and as I'm singing it, I can feel my hand starting to rise. Now, you got to understand, this is man, over the last few weeks, had been almost in a comatose state. You know, just down, just dead. I mean, just laying, moving around much. And, and all of a sudden, I sing that again. And as I'm singing it, and then, then they're singing it too. Sister Mary's singing it. And we're just, we're crying. And, and um, I just prayed over him before we started singing that, thanking him for his integrity and thanking him for his years of service to serve the church and, and, and not losing the fact that he served his family in the face of serving his church. And, and I'm weeping by this time. And now we're singing and crying. And all of a sudden, I feel this hand. I can feel my hand get, like, getting pushed. And so I just kind of, I didn't lift his hand up. I just kind of let him do what he was doing. And that little hand, man, it came up like this. And he put his hand up in the air like this. And I'm holding it. And I'm like, y'all, that's not, that's not me. I said, dad's worshiping. He's pushing his hand up. He's wanting to worship. And guys, listen, I don't want you to miss this point, okay? Because like I said, I, in that moment I heard him preach, the only sermon that I'd ever heard him preach ever. And it was a one-point sermon. That's all it was. Actually, it wasn't. It was, it was a one-note sermon. It, was, well, it wasn't really a sermon. It was a one-note song is what it was. <laughs> All of a sudden, he began to preach to me in song. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he was still carrying an anointing. He was still carrying the mantle of the man of God. He was still carrying the the, the oil of the presence of the Lord. I could smell, if you will, the myrrh and the cassia in the room. He was still, there was something that was a mandate 
on this man. And he began to preach to me this one note, syllable of a wordless song. And here's what he said. He went, And all of a sudden, he went, ah, and I don't, guys, if he held that for 30 seconds, I don't know. I mean, it, it may have been long. I blew my mind. And we realized in that moment, I think it was Sister Mary said, he's worshiping people. He's singing. And in that moment, I could just sense God preaching to me a sermon that after all those years and all the stuff he's ever faced, and I know it didn't always go good for him, and I know there was times where his kids struggled and even ran from God for a season, and I know there was times where he believed and those believing things that he was hoping for didn't come to pass, but at 91 years old, he had not lost his song. At 91 years old, he was still singing that song. And that song to me was a sermon. He hadn't lost it after all those years. He hadn't lost his song after facing the hardship of cancer. He was still holding on to his worship. God anointed him at Southeastern when he was a young boy in Bible college. And all those years later, God was anointing him to preach to a man half his age. Anointing, moving what God has for you. Don't back down. Go into the more that I have for you. Amen? Man, it was that, that song that, to me, set him apart from all his companions. I've heard people preach a lot of sermons, but it was probably the best sermon that I think I've heard in a long time. And as I said, in that room, his robes, I felt like the fragrance of the myrrh and the aloes of cassia of his faithful service was there in that room. From ivory palace, stringed instruments made glad, the scripture says. I believe he could hear from the ivory palace of heaven, the song of heaven, and it joined his song of worship in that moment. And it did something to this man half his age. Listen, can I just say it this way? I don't want to lose my song. Amen? I don't want you to lose your song. I don't want you to, and it's the oil of gladness. It's the anointing of God in our lives that I believe can carry us through everything that we might face. Amen? I say anointing, you say, what does that mean? And Isaiah teaches us that it's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Can you say that, the burden-removing? Yoke-destroying power of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe the church needs more of it. Man, my wife and I were talking this week, and I said, man, I just feel so passionate in this more series to challenge people to rise up as disciples of Christ, to be real followers. And I said, I don't want to lose anybody in this, but my wife, she says, Ross, you're called to equip the saints, not preach to the skeptic. He said, you're going to equip the saints, not the skeptics. I, I get that. And you may be a skeptic. I'm just telling you right now, man, hold on. God will make himself undeniable to you. Amen. But if you believe, man, I want you to believe and realize he's got something for you, this anointing, this touch, this blessing that for that man carried him into his 90s. Amen. So I don't want to lose my song. Amen. I don't want you to lose your anointing. I don't want you to lose your song. I want you to have an anointing for more. And that's the name of my series or my sermon today. It's an anointing for more. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to read as we do together a little more lengthy passage of scripture. This is Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, as we go into an anointing for more, be praying for the carrier family as they've lost their daddy. Just be praying for them. But um, as we go into this passage of scripture, we're going to look at why we need the anointing, and we're going to look at how to position ourselves for it. 
And, um, and so as we get into this today, I just want you guys to, to realize that God wants to put a mandate upon you. He wants to put upon you a, 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 a touch that changes everything. The word anointing is, is the word that we get it from the word just smear or just smear on. You know, the word Christ in the New Testament, um, that's, that's Greek for the anointed one and his anointing. And it just means that God has a special touch on him. But you know what? The Bible says that we are those who can be anointed too. We are those who can have that special touch upon us. It doesn't mean that we are like Jesus in the sense that we're little gods. By no means we are his representatives. But as Jesus' representatives, ought we not carry his anointing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As his representatives, we ought to be able to move in the stuff he moves in. And you're like, Pastor, I know, and I'm standing. And I want to sit down, so we're going to get in the scripture. (laughs) Exodus 30, verse 22, this is a picture and a foreshadowing of his church. The anointing that's taking place on the tabernacle and on the utensils of the tabernacle. This is the place where God is going to meet with man. This is the place where his power is the living God. Amen? You're the dwelling place of God. And so as we read this, it's a foreshadowing of his church. We see anointing that comes upon the tabernacle. We see anointing that comes upon the utensils. In the, as we read, we'll see an anointing that comes upon the priesthood. And all I'm saying is it's a foreshadowing of the anointing on this house. It's a foreshadowing on the anointing of what God is doing amongst us. And it's an anoint, foreshadowing of the anointing that's on each and every individual life in here that calls upon the name of Jesus because you are a, a, a royal priesthood. Every single one of you, a chosen generation. Amen? Amen. It says, the Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250 and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. Everybody say, the finest. Yeah, take the finest of spices. Too often, I think we bring the least that we can bring to God. We don't bring the best that we can bring to God. And we wonder why we don't move in the anointing. Amen. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. Say holy. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table, its utensils, the lampstand, its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the, and the basin and its stand. It'd be as if right now we were just anointing everything in here. We're just getting everything ready for what God's wanting to do. But you're the temple of God now. You're the dwelling place of the Lord. So it's, it's him anointing you, and it's him anointing everything you consecrate to him, and that you lay at his disposal. It says in verse 29, you shall consecrate them. In other words, set them apart as holy for God's use, that they may be holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. Don't you love that? That as we move in the anointing, as we move in the touch of God, what we touch gets touched? Yeah. I love that. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Every one of you in this room is a priest now. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. And I love that because the Bible even tells us that you're not ordinary anymore. We knew that. Look at your neighbor and say, you're weird. (laughs) Yeah, the Bible says you're a peculiar people. Right where it talks about you being a priest, you're a peculiar people because you're not quite normal. Not everybody has the Son of God living on the inside of them. Not everybody has the power of the Holy Spirit welled up on the inside of them. Amen? That may, I'm sorry, you, you're like, you're alien. 
I mean, that's what scripture says. We're aliens in this world. We're traveling. This, our home is in heaven. Jack's seeing his heaven, you know. It, it, I'm just, you're, you're just come some kind of freaky message, what you are. And you shall not make no other like it in its composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts it on any outsider. Another translation says a stranger shall be cut off from his people. It's for you, this anointing. It's not for the stranger. It's not for the one that's apart from God. It's for the one that has come into a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's hard. If you're here and you haven't come into the relationship with Jesus, man, get some. Get to Jesus and get everything Jesus has, you know. Today's that day. I mean, he has it all for you. And it's that day today for you to walk in all that he has, that, that oil of gladness, amen. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, help us to be able to embrace what it looks like to have an anointing for more. In your name I pray, amen. amen. Go ahead and have your seats. All right. So this idea of oil, as you see this symbol of oil, there's two things we see here in the scripture. An oil is a symbol. You know, it, it, there's no actual power in the oil. It's because you're, 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 you're doing as God says to do with that oil that makes it powerful. And when we talk about the anointing of God, it's not just physical oil. So we see here this idea of a symbol and a substance. So the symbol in this story is that liquid oil that they have made. But the substance is the power, as I said, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. It's that power that what it touches can make something holy. It's that power that as we look in the New Testament, what the anointing touches can make someone whole. What the anointing touches can heal someone. What the anointing touches can cast out demons. What the anointing touches can set captives free. What the anointing touches can open blind eyes. Amen. And so there's something powerful here. It's not just a symbol. There's a substance to it. And the substance is that power of God that he wants to just put all over you, amen? But there's some things that we can foster that. There's some things we can move in because I want, and I want to move it. I don't know about you, there's a difference when you're in a church service that's a good church service, and then you're in a church service that's an anointed church service. Yeah. You guys have all been experiencing that before. And I'm not saying every service we have, it's, oh, every, but, but I mean, there's times where it's just, oh my gosh, the, 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 there's anointed singing. There's times where a song, it just lights you up. You feel like you want to just run, you know? Man, that anointing hits you. That touch of God hits you. And, and, and I, I, want, I don't want just a little dabble-do-me kind of anointing, a little kind of touch. I, I want a lot. I want, I want more. Shout more. more. I want all that he wants for me is what I want. Don't stop pouring God until you're satisfied, not until I'm satisfied. Amen? want all that he has. In Psalms 133, we see Aaron, the priest, and how this anointing came upon him for his duties. And as it came upon him, the Bible says it came upon his head and upon his beard and upon his vestments and down upon his, I mean, this guy is saturated with the anointing. It, it was just all over him. You could not, um, you wouldn't want him sitting in your car, Michael, you know, maybe you would. He's like, no, that'd be all right. That'd be all right. I can always clean up the seat, you know. But I mean, he was saturated. A hint of oil is almost six quarts of oil. I mean, it's, that's a lot of oil. You know, when you all come up and once in a while we'll pray using oil and we'll just kind of in, you know, we just kind of touch a little bit, you know, and pray. No, no, this, this was like pouring oil on. I mean, this, it was everywhere. And, and all I can say to that is just that idea that the anointing the church needs today is on that level. That's the anointing we need in our lives today. We aren't dealing with small things in our world. We're not dealing with small social issues in our world. We're not dealing. Can you tell the world is changing, people? 
Can you tell how jacked up from the back up? I mean, it's a mess. We need the church. If nobody's going to walk in the anointing, it's not going to change the world. We need us as the church of God, the church of God, the people of God, to say, God, I want more of your anointing. I want more of your touch. I want what you want in my life so I can make a difference. That wherever I touch, you can make a difference, Lord. I need that, that touch upon me. And I believe in these last days, we need it even more. Scripture says from Joel, the prophet, he said that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. He didn't say I will dribble out my spirit. He didn't say I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle out my spirit. What did he say? I'll pour. Shout pour. Man, that's like six quarts of it. Okay, Pastor, sure. Oil. Greg, come on, we're going to put oil. No, I'm teasing. I love Greg. He's so, he's like, okay, Pastor, sure. <laughs> you would have done that too, I know. It's just pouring. Not just a little bit, but pouring out upon us. And so how do we position ourselves if we want God to pour out his anointing on us? How do we position ourselves for it? I want to go back to 2 Kings. I never expected when the Lord took me that 2 Kings chapter 4 passage, dealing with the woman losing everything and needing God to provide. I never expected that to be our, 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 our verse for the series. But man, God just keeps showing me things in it. And so the first thing I want you to understand is this. The anointing flows out of your weakness, not your strength. Okay. If I can get to this point, then I can move in victory. No. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Sometimes you got to get real weak in something before you can walk in his strength. You pick up stuff. You're in addiction. You pick up stuff too quick and take care of your own weakness when you need to get real weak so that his anointing can come through. Amen? And so, no, it's that anointing that flows out of your weakness, not your strength. Elisha said to this woman, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. That's it. All I have is just a little bit of oil, you know? And I don't look like much. I don't feel like much. Maybe that's how you feel, but, but it's enough in the hands of God. Pastor Jack, I heard a story of him that in World War II, he, um, before he was, when he was a young man, he got hit by a car and mangled his body up and he had a, a little lift in his heel so he could walk like the other boys, you know? And, and when it came time, World War II's happening, and he ends up going for his checkup, you know, to get in, and, um, and he's not healthy enough. And so when the doctor had his head turned doing something, he stuck around and got in the line with the healthy boys. Because he's going to be like a boy like everybody else, that's all, you know? And so he sneaks in. He was little, he was, wasn't strong, his, his, or he wasn't um, 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 healthy as far as his body goes, and this, this foot thing. Well, he ends up getting into the war. He gets to, and he's on a ship. And when they were at Port of Call for a little while, every week, the one guy that was his bunkmate would go to church on Sunday, dress in his best and go to church. And every week, his friend would tell him about the Lord, and he would see him with the Bible. And and so finally one day, Jack, he got all dressed up, and he was at the end of the gangplank, and his buddy gets up to go to church, and he comes down, and he sees his friend, Jack, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to church with you today. And Jack went to church, and that day, Jack gave his life to Jesus, amen? Yeah, yeah, now this is what's so neat about this. So he comes into the war, he gets out of the war, he comes back stateside, and one of the first church experiences he has, he comes to an altar to kneel just to take time with the Lord. And as he's kneeling, his leg is all kicked out because he can't, it doesn't work right. And so he has his leg all kicked out, kind of weird. And this woman came up to him and said to him, young man, you know how church folk can be, young man, if you kneel at the altar right, God will hear your prayers. 
And he, in just such a, a kind way, just said, well, 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 ma'am, if God will hear my prayers and heal my leg, then I'll be able to kneel at this altar right. <laughs> that weakness he carried all that time, not a strength, but a weakness. And so the people of the church gathered around him. And this was that touch of the anointing that he got to experience. And they laid hands on him. And that man's leg was made right in the name of Jesus. He didn't have to wear the, the lift in his heel ever again. And when the funeral was taking place, his best friend, because Jack wasn't somebody to ever talk about anything he'd ever complain about. And when the funeral was taking place, one of his best friends was saying, man, I didn't even realize that. The family had known the story. Many people had known the story. But he just never really talked about his weakness. But in that weakness, God made him strong. In that weakness, God brought healing to him, amen? And sometimes we just need to present our weakness to the Lord and not worry about trying to hide our weakness. Man, one of my friends posted this week, and I thought it was so good. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to have to hide your sins. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have to fake that you're okay, <laughs> Amen? It's, you don't have to, for you to walk in the anointing doesn't mean that you have to start perfect. It just means that you have to be perfected. Doesn't mean that you, it means that you come in your weakness and say, God, that's all I have. It's not much, but I give it to you. And then watch what the Lord does with it. And that's what we see when we see the disciples. I told you last week, there's a mandate on the disciples to go. And every one of those disciples that responded to that mandate, God used. But before they went, they had so many issues. They, they, were, they were completely messed up. But the anointing flows out of your weakness, not your strength. And so when you look at these disciples, every one of them was walking in something less than what God was calling them to. But an invitation came to them to walk in more. Okay? And they began to take those steps forward. When you look at Peter, he had anger issues. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You looked at Thomas, he, he struggled with doubt. The sons of Zebedee, James and John, they were a bit arrogant. You know, which of us will sit at the right hand of you? Jesus, who will sit when we get in heaven right by you? You know, they're a little bit arrogant, a little prideful at times. In the Old Testament, it's the same. Moses couldn't speak, and Gideon was fearful. You know, David, as a youth, he wasn't much to behold. And as an adult, he wanted much to behold. But who he wanted to behold was not his wife right? God doesn't always, I'm not saying it's perfection. We're going to talk about this here in a second because God does make us holy as we strive for that. You can see David striving, coming in repentance. Go read Psalm 51, coming to repentance, setting his heart right, and then moving with this anointing of God that's on his life, apart from his past failures, apart from his past weaknesses. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said it this way, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. Amen? It's not the measure of your strength. It's that you're surrendering those weaknesses to God, and the greatness of your power comes from the measure of that surrender. You know, I, I, I believe the reason that we walk in less, listen, it's just because we fail to go after more. Maybe we discount ourselves. Maybe we make excuses. Maybe, maybe we don't have an appetite for the more that God has for us. Maybe everything else. We don't surrender everything else to create the appetite for the more that God has for us. But the reason why we don't walk in the anointing, that we won't walk in all that God has for us, is because we fail to go after more. Can I just say this? Let's surrender lesser things this year so that we can go after greater things. I don't know what that looks like for you, that, that thing of weakness. I know what it looks like for me. For me. 
And I want to surrender those things that are lesser so I can walk in the greater. Amen? For me, I have a choice every day, multiple times a day. God, this is good, but it's not great. I surrender that. And that's how I'm going to live my life this year, you know? And I want to challenge you to do the same. And so with that, how do we position ourselves for greatness? The second thing, this, or for, for, for more. The anointing flows where room is made for it. Don't miss that. I want to move in all that God has for me. I want to be used by God. You hear people say that. But they don't make no room for God. So listen, the anointing flows where the room is made for it. Verse 3, then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not too few. Go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. This idea of making capacity, this idea of making room for it. Let me just say it this way. Don't live life separated from more. Live life separated for more. That's a choice that we have. If we're going to walk in the anointing, I don't believe one single person moves in the anointing of God if they don't choose to live separated lives, sanctified lives, consecrated lives. We saw the anointing oil in Exodus 30, how that oil was upon the utensils and the tent and everything that took place there. Why? And on the priesthood. Why? To separate them, to consecrate them as holy for the purpose of God. And that's making room. And I want to challenge us to do the same thing. Don't live life separated from more. Live life separated for more. That passage of scripture we saw in Exodus, that that oil, that anointing, it shall not be put upon a stranger. Do you remember me saying that? It shall not be put upon a stranger. In other words, if you stay distant and far from God, don't expect the anointing. Don't, don't expect the more that God has for you. If you don't press in, if you don't make room, if you don't create capacity for God to do something. That anointing that comes, it's the witness of the Holy Spirit of a sanctified life. That's what it is. Man, and when I was with Pastor Jack, I felt so small and I was so humbled by it because I have said a lot of words today. And that one note, one syllable word of a sermon, there was an anointing behind it that spoke paragraphs and paragraphs. I got home that night and started telling Amy about it. I couldn't stop weeping in my bed over the word that came to me because that one man's one note of worship. I want that kind of anointing. Amen. I, I want to be a peer. I want to I I walk after and just be a peer with everybody I come in contact with. But listen, church, you don't have the time just to be a peer to your friends. You need to be a presence. Jesus is coming, amen? It's coming soon. And we need to be presence in this world. I'll talk about that more next Sunday, amen? Ecclesiastes 9.8 kind of gives us a little hint in what this looks like. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. In other words, because you have white garments, you can expect to have anointed heads. There is something about sanctification and separation. There's something about purity that we don't preach in the church anymore because we're afraid we'll run people off. But I'm going to tell you right now, we got a room full of people that are hungry to hear the truth today. Amen? And there'll be a room full in the second service that want to hear the truth. I'm not going to beat us over the head with it because I'm broken just like you. I need the oil of his presence to be poured into this broken vessel just like you. I leak. No, I freaking leak. And he poured into just like you. Amen? Yeah. But how many know to make excuses to not separate our lives is holy unto him? It's just that and it's excuse. 
and it will not cause us to curry the favor that brings that anointing that sets you apart from your companions, not set apart to be distant that you can't reach them, but set apart in such a way that they want to grasp after everything you're walking in. They see a difference. They see something, and they want to get a hold of it. Amen? So we need to create that capacity, and I believe that's created through purity. I believe when you walk after purity, you'll begin to walk in the power of the Almighty. Amen? I don't have time to get into that part. but So why do we need the anointing of God as we wrap this up? We need the anointing of God because, look, the anointing flows until the need is filled. The anointing flows. We need the anointing because we have a lot of need. We need the anointing because the world has a lot of need. In 2 Kings 4, 5 through 6, it says, So she went from him, and she shut the door behind herself and her sons, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. And the oil stopped flowing. It kept flowing and kept flowing until it was filled. This is, this is, this is the weekend that we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. And, and some people will say, well, why do we keep talking about racial stuff all the time? Because it's, it's a vessel that still needs filled. It's not filled yet. Look at our world, amen? Is it filled yet? No, so that's something we need to keep pouring into. You know, My health. I might fill this shirt up nice, but my health isn't filled up, right? Amen? Shut up. <laughs> But I need to pour. Why? Because there's still a need. Shout, there's still a need. Don't shout it so emphatically. <laughs> but there is. Hallelujah. Okay. And so we can see here that this pouring keeps taking place until there's more than enough. He is that extra that we need. And there's always going to be that need. And so remember, Jesus' disciples, they needed more, didn't they? Yeah, they did. In Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, we see what he says to him because disciples follow the master. And the master said, go into the city go wait in Jerusalem and it says here that when you wait the promise of the Father will come that promise you've heard from me and John will baptize you with water but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now this powerful touch of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you you know remember the reason why was because the disciples needed more and there was 500 disciples that saw him ascend but the day that the more showed up 120 were in the upper room 500 were invited But 120 made room for the anointing of God on their life. That's all I'm saying. Why? Because the world had a need. And then we start to see God pour out His Spirit upon them. And the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And it said that they would be witnesses of Jesus to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Because oil just flows. It just goes. It just moves. And there's a need. And there's still a need. God's still pouring. Why? Because there are still vessels that need to receive. This morning you may be here and you're a vessel that might be leaking. Maybe financially you're hemorrhaging. Maybe, maybe relationally. You went to bed last night not knowing if your marriage is going to be intact by then, this night. Maybe, maybe you're hemorrhaging in the area of sin and just struggle and, man, God, I don't know if I can ever find my victory. Don't you know he's still pouring? 2,000 years later, still pouring. Why? Because there's still a need. There's still a need. The anointing flows until the need is filled. And if you have a need, man, you can have an expectation that the anointing is going to flow. As what? As you make yourself available, as you make room for his move. As you don't excuse your weakness, but you use your weakness as a way to position yourself to say, God, I need you. Amen? 
So I'm going to say without reservation today, we need him like never before. We need his anointing like never before. And that's why we're fasting. And that's why we're doing a revival. That's the first time I've ever done this on the backside of this fast. And I feel like we're prepared for these three days like we never have been before. We've done three-day services a few times through the years, but never tied to the fast. And what I want you to do is prepare your hearts to make room this weekend. Check off your calendar. Do whatever you got to do to be here Friday night, 7 o'clock, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, and Sunday night at 6. Obviously, Sunday morning, we'll continue with the series. I mean, why cannot wait? As we make room for God, He's going to pour His anointing out in this place. Amen? People are going to be healed. Amen? People are going to be saved. People are going to find deliverance. People are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. God's hand is going to move upon us in in an undeniable way. Why? Because His anointing continues to flow. As long as there's a need, there's a need. I have a need. Don't you have a need? The Bible just tells us to go gather every vessel. My job as pastor is to look at you and say, come on, vessels, get in here. Let's shut the door and see what God does because God is going to pour out in this house Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Amen? Amen. Yeah, give God some praise. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to put that on your calendar. Get here. Um, I didn't even talk to the staff about it. You know what, you know what we're going to do? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll be here. I, I don't know how we'll figure this out. I feel so important about making room for this and space for this and just not rushing this that Friday night when the service is over, if you want to stay all night, all day Saturday, great. You can just keep staying. Do what, you know, I'm not going to rush you out of the building. Amen? If you're at home and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and God wakes you up Friday night in the morning, Saturday morning, and you realize, man, I, I didn't get what I was all supposed to get on Sunday last night. I'm getting to church. The doors will be open. Amen? Friday night, the doors will be open. Saturday, the doors will be open. Saturday night, the doors will be open. Saturday through the night, the doors will be open. Sunday, the doors will be open. Amen? We'll just have this sacred time of, of making room and making space. God, whatever you want to do, we're available. We just want you to pour in. Can we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus? We invite you to pour in. We're weak, but we know that you have strength. Lord God, we make room, we make capacity in the next few days. This week, we're making capacity for you to pour in. And Lord God, we know you're going to pour to a great measure because you are El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.com. Dot TV.